All right, welcome everyone to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and I'm joined today, as always, by Benjamin Carlson and Brian Wells. We continue our NFL coverage this week by reacting to the best action from Week 3. We discuss the Patriots parting with Antonio Brown, the 49ers knocking off the Steelers to remain unbeaten, the Browns' offense faltering against the Rams, and more. And in honor of Google's birthday, the three of us count down our most interesting searches of the week in today's top five. back with another episode of he's done it we'll stick to what we've been doing for the past couple months by mostly talking about football uh before we get into that just how was your weekend brian how was your weekend uh it was pretty good i mean patriots got another another good did you do anything fun did i do anything fun besides sitting on the couch all day watching football and losing all my money gambling no i did not do anything else okay what about you ben did you have a good weekend anything fun? i had a great weekend it was a long weekend for me actually yeah i Why? uh i went to new york and interesting I was, yeah i was uh i went to west point my mom's a west point grad and i went to their reunion and then i also visited new york city for the first time and it was freaking awesome um, I also had a long weekend. I was also with family. I was in the uh, Pocono Mountains uh, in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I was there for a family reunion. And I got to see a lot of family that I hadn't seen in two years now. So I would say I had an all-around very good weekend. And the reason why it wasn't a great weekend <laughs> is because football had to be a part of it and just ruin everything for me. And that's where we start by discussing the San Francisco 49ers beating the Pittsburgh Steelers 24 to 20. Ben's Niners are now 3 and 0 while my Steelers are a hopeless 0 and 3. So Ben, tell us about your undefeated team. Let's start this one on a bit of a high note. Well, yeah, it's definitely a high note for me. The Niners haven't been 3 and 0 since 1998. This is quite an unprecedented start. Also first, well, the week one of this season was the first time the 49ers were over 500. Uh, this is the first time they're over 500 in the Kyle Shanahan era. And that continues uh, all the way through week three into the early bye week. Uh, so the 49ers are in, they're doing the best they possibly could at this point. And the reason is because the defense is legit. The, four, the offense gave the ball away so many times, trying their best to give the Steelers this game. But the defense said no. They relished the opportunity to make big plays, and honestly, I can't wait to uh, to see them keep doing it. And on the flip side, the Steelers' defense also did everything in their power to win this football game. Like you said, taking the ball away, they had five turnovers, and they had four turnovers in the first half. The 49ers, whether it was Jimmy Garoppolo having passes bounce off his running back's hands into the hands of Pittsburgh Steelers, or his running back just fumbling the ball in the red zone, the defense came up and they made a lot of great plays and they 
They held the 49ers just a 24-yard Robbie Gould field goal, three points in the first half. You would think that the Steelers would have been up big at halftime, but no, because Mason Rudolph and James Conner and the offensive line decided that they would just be content with uh, not moving the ball forward. And six points in the first half clearly was not enough. And by the time that the offenses showed up in the second half, San Francisco got the better of a fatigued Steelers defense. So that's where we stand right now with the Steelers at 0-3. Yeah. I know that Jimmy didn't have the best game in the world, but he did throw a game-winning touchdown. These uh, the, the Niners had to show up to win this game. It wasn't just that. I mean, Mason Rudolph had showed signs of excellence, especially that Juju Smith-Schuster touchdown. I mean, that's why everybody knows who Juju is. He has that kind of ability to break the game. But I still, even though it was a rough day, I still liked what I saw from Jimmy. He's getting back to his winning form. What's crazy is that not only are they three and zero, but they've been been able to get be three and zero without George Kittle really doing anything offensively. I don't think he's even scored a touchdown yet. And well, I will say though, doing something. First, I was gonna say like the first three games they faced Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, and Mason Rudolph. So I don't know how much stock I can put into how great their defense is or just how bad the quarterbacks they've faced so far. Well, you, you you're right. Those are the teams themselves. The just the overall quality hasn't been the greatest thing uh, yet. So the Niners definitely still have a lot to prove, um, and we'll hope to see the defense hold up uh, against that. Um, I forgot what I was going to interrupt you about. So I'll talk to the Corey. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I will say that the 49ers defense played really well on Sunday, but the 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 Steelers offense did a lot to help them look good. Like if you like you said, Mason Rudolph had that big touchdown pass to Judas Masusha. He also had a long touchdown pass to Deontay Johnson, where he he made a great move to um, fake out the free safety and get Johnson wide open for a long thirty nine yard touchdown. When he, the Steelers offense let him air it out, he was able to make plays. But for whatever reason, they decided to be conservative the entire first half. He had eight completions. Seven of them were at or behind the line of scrimmage. And while maybe that can work with some quarterbacks in this league, maybe Ben Roethlisberger can do more with it, that's just not going to suit Mason Rudolph. And the Steelers' offense game plan just did not adapt to a different quarterback. And they allowed the the Niners' defense to basically you know have their way with the team without really even needing to do too much because the play calling was just not there for most of the game. Which isn't necessarily a takeaway from San Francisco's defense because I do think that their defense is really good. And I do think that this 49ers team, like I said at the beginning of the season, is a legitimate playoff contender this year. But the Steelers, as much as you can say that the 49ers could have blown them out if they don't commit the turnovers, San Francisco committed those turnovers and the Steelers should have won this game if they were just able to produce on the offensive side of the ball just for any kind of prolonged period of time. Well, the 49ers are um, are coming or they'll be coming back from this bye week with another week of rest for D Ford, who was banged up coming into this game, even though he still was able to contribute heavily. Uh, and also Tevin Coleman. We haven't seen the the Niners never get to have the quarterback or the running back they planned on. Uh, Jarek McKinnon never played uh, Tevin Coleman still uh, not making his impact yet, despite the hype. So I think this team will come out of the bye week better, and they better be because the competition they're going to be going up against is going to be improved. 
Yeah, and the, the 49ers didn't really plug in any running back, it feels like, in that Kyle Shanahan offense, and they'll have yep. success. So, oh, actually, okay, no, I just remembered what Brian said that I would disagree with. Uh, George Kittle not making a contribution. Um, if you look at him as a purely fantasy stats guy, you're right. He's been limited in his role, even though he has gotten by far the most targets uh, in this offense, Even which doesn't mean that much because this offense spreads it out a lot. Um, I, I was looking at the target share, like George Kittle is number one with somewhere like in the 40%. And then after that, it just everyone together. It's like Debo Samuel, Dante Pettis, everybody else getting about the same amount, which is low each. Yeah. The first but two games, the reason or, I wanted to, well, I was just going to say like the first game, uh, that they had, I think it was first Tampa. They, uh, George Kittle, I think he had two touchdown passes that were nullified because of penalties that were taken away so yes that's also another reason well there's that but but also just because i'm a big 49ers fan i've been like with the online community george kittle has been murdering people with his blocks he has been an absolute monster throwing people around and he's talked about this off the field how he still he doesn't care if he's running routes or if he's like running guys into the ground he loves them both George Kittle is just an animal. And that's the type of thing you need from a leader on your team is the willingness to play that role when you need to. Even though everything says he should be like that guy catching every pass, we should be targeting him first because he he sets himself so far apart from the rest of our receiving options. He also gets to throw people around uh, and help out in the run game. And he's just as willing to do that. So that's, you know, shout out to George Kittle. I've always had that argument with people about Gronk when he was playing. I mean, last year he was washed, of course, but before that, uh, I've always had, I've always leaned with Gronk as the best tight end in the league. I mean, of course, part of that's because I'm biased as a Patriots fan, but uh, it was the argument was always him, Kelsey, or Ertz for several years, and I've always leaned Gronk not just because of his pass catching abilities, but it's also because of how elite of a blocker he was, especially compared to Kelsey and Ertz. Yeah, I don't think too many people will argue with uh, Rob Gronkowski's greatness uh, just all around based on the numbers that he was able to put up throughout his career and the, the way defenses struggle to cover him. But, I mean, that was exactly what I was thinking when George or Ben was describing George Kittle in terms of him being a young Gronk. And uh, as someone who invested heavily in George Kittle this um, fantasy draft season, I do hope that he eventually puts up those numbers. He will. He will. But also ask your commissioner about uh, tight ends getting points for like good blocks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Change the rules. Uh, all right. So I guess real, real quickly before we switch off this topic, uh, James Conner. So I guess we're going to talk about fantasy. I know that both of you guys are big on James Conner entering this season, and he has certainly been disappointing. And I think that when you, you look at the Steelers last season, James Conner, of course, is a pro bowler, but he had three pro bowl offensive linemen in front of him. And it just, I, I like to believe that Conner is going to turn things around if the offensive line can get back to playing at the same level. But It I, feels I, worse with Mason Rudolph, but I mean, maybe that also means checking down the running back more. Uh, but yeah, I, I was pretty high on James Conner this year. I'm, I didn't expect him to be like Camara or Barkley or or McCaffrey, but I did expect him to have a good, and I still kind of expect him to have a good year still, but yeah, it's been a much slower start than I anticipated. Yeah. But it, for me, it just feels like a slow start for the Steelers that was amplified by losing Ben Roethlisberger. You know, it's, it's kind of a small sample size to say that James Conner is like truly out of it, especially when 
week one you played the Patriots. Like, that's a terrible matchup anyways. I like to think that week three was also a pretty bad matchup, plus the fact that he has Mason Rudolph. I think you just got to give James Conner a little bit more time and maybe a better opportunity against a a more vulnerable defense. He did commit a crucial fumble in the fourth quarter after the 49ers seemingly gifted the Steelers a game. That's not the first time he's done that in his short-lived stint as the starting running back for this team. So I, I I agree that I think Connor is going to break out eventually and return to prominence, but I, I do think that he is going to be a huge part, like you said, with Mason Rudolph instead of Ben Rossberger. They're going to need to get the running game going. You, you can make, gonna start with you can make a case, case that James Connor and the rest of the Steelers, the easiest defense they've faced is the Seahawks, which is saying something. And yes, the Seahawks aren't the Legion of Boom anymore, but they're still a pretty good defense. And the fact that that's the easiest one they've faced so far, it's shows you how tough their schedule has been for the first few weeks. Yeah. Yeah, so looking ahead, the 49ers have a bye week. Uh, The Steelers, they host the Cincinnati Bengals on Monday Night Football, and they host the Baltimore Ravens the week after that. So they have the opportunity with two home games against division rivals to turn this thing around. I guess the good news is the two losses to Seattle and San Francisco were against the NFC. So when you look at tiebreakers, conference record, is in the Steelers' favor to an extent right now, so we'll see what happens. And with the way the AFC is playing, eight and eight might be good enough to make the postseason. That's that's the spirit, Corey. Yeah, we'll see. Just they're trying to hold on to anything I can to not write off this season just yet. But all right, let's move on. Let's talk about Brian's team, the New England Patriots. They beat the Jets this week, and which shouldn't be a huge surprise. But one surprising thing, to an extent, that came out of. Foxborough was the Patriots parting with Antonio Brown, releasing the mercurial receiver after just one game with the team. So, Brian, we'll uh, start off with your takes on AB. So, from the start, I was n- not really a fan of the move. I mean, which is, which may sound surprising, but I really didn't think Antonio Brown's antics were worth it. And I was proven right, but I didn't think it would happen within 12 days he didn't even last two weeks that how sad is that that he couldn't even last that long and just with everything that happened with the rape scandal coming out and then uh the the text that he sent to that woman that painter um or sort of threatening texts i i'm i just i'm i'm glad he's gone and that we don't have to worry about him anymore and I mean, maybe 19-0 is not on the table anymore, given that their offense would have been really, really good with Brown. But at the same time, maybe it doesn't look like that they don't need him with how good Philip Dorsett has been. I mean, not that Philip Dorsett is any, anywhere near Antonio Brown's talent, but um, ever since they traded Jacoby Brissett for Dorsett, he's been slowly progressing, and he's been pretty awesome the past, past few games. And we saw it. Just just this past Sunday, he scored a touchdown, and he scored two touchdowns versus, versus Pittsburgh, and I think he can step in and be that number three receiver, and Edelman still staying as the number one as long as he stays healthy all year. I think the Patriots should be fine, especially with how great their defense is. So, honestly, to win a Super Bowl, they didn't even need Brown as explosive as he was, or is as a player, or maybe was, because he, maybe he's not even going to play in the NFL anymore, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. The Patriots never needed Antonio Brown, and it never really made sense for them to go out and sign him. 
And I, I agree, I did not think that he would be gone as quickly as he was, but I guess when all of the accusations against him were before he went to the Patriots, you can you know, say, all right, we'll see how things play out. But once you find out that he's threatening one of his accusers while he's still on the team, that's when uh, things cross the line. And Kraft and Belichick, you know, they made that decision to get rid of him, but I don't know if they're necessarily, they like, should be, like, rewarded for getting rid of him after signing no, it's him in self the first place. No, it's self-inflicted that they decided to sign him after he was released by the Raiders. So it's this adverse, it's really fake adversity if they're going to call it that, cause, mm-hmm. call it adversity, because they brought it upon themselves by signing Brown after he was released. And uh, there was definitely plenty of upside, so that's why I didn't totally hate the Brown signing. But what did surprise me was how much that they signed him for. Um, and... And if it was going to work anywhere, it was going to be in in New England. But the fact that he was still uh, being the clown that he was off the field, even with the Patriots, it just shows you that clearly Antonio Brown has some issues that he needs to take care of. Did you guys uh, find out if he how much money he actually made? Did we get official word on that? I I don't know. I, yeah, I, mean, I I'm not sure either. I think I don't think he gets the five million that he was supposed to get. I think there was a deadline, and I think it was supposed to be this past Monday. Um, if yeah. he was still on the roster, Field Yates Field Yates tweeted about it. I quote tweeted it on my Twitter at Fourth and Ben uh, <laughs> um, that he was only going to get a hundred and fifty three thousand dollars. Yeah, just the one game check. Right, and that's it. Which, if that's the case. I don't really understand how he's like this super genius uh, who like played everyone by like tricking the Raiders into voiding his contract. Like Antonio, I I know that it's like low hanging fruit. Like it's not very creative to call him this, but definitely Antonio clown dude from the very beginning, this guy's messing up his own situation. I'm talking all the way back to the Steelers dude. Like he had something Mm -hmm. good going with them. He could have been a legend. He could have been the next Jerry Rice. He really could have been. He was on pace to be the next Jerry Rice as, as far as like numbers go. And if he could keep them up, that's the thing. No one's ever been able to keep them up as long as Jerry Rice, but Antonio Brown, you could have seen it, but instead he had to mess things up there. He goes to the Raiders, messes things up there, the whole time grinning, talking about how he's the smartest one in all this, and he goes from $30 million to $9 million to a measly $153,000, which is still a lot of money in my opinion, but still, compared to, you talk about opportunity cost, this guy is a huge idiot. Like, <laughs> yeah. like there's, you shouldn't, there should be no question about whether or not Antonio Brown is an absolute moron. Because he is. I can't believe he's gone this far to blow it. I, I've never had my opinion change this drastically on NFL. Maybe maybe that's not true. But I my I used to love this guy. I used to think he was so amazing. And to see him stoop to this level is just sad at this point. He was my favorite player on my favorite team. I, I firmly believe that he was going to retire as the second greatest receiver of all time if he had stayed with Pittsburgh, if he continued catching passes from Ben Roethlisberger and maybe another quarterback of that caliber. But he threw it all away. Just he, he let his ego get the best of him. And it's like, I don't even know why he wanted out of Pittsburgh at this point because my thought was he just wanted the guaranteed money that he got in Oakland, but then he flushed that down the drain for no reason. And then is it, okay, he wants to go to New England, which is kind of like the Steelers, except a better situation in terms of being able to win a championship. And he flushed that down the drain as well. So I, you know, he needs help. That's, I think that's something that everybody can yeah. agree with. He's going back to college. 
maybe Central Michigan University getting a degree there can uh, put them back on a, a positive path to succeeding in life. But he, care- he cares way too much about his social media game. It's I mean, just tweeting and Instagramming constantly with everyone is. Well, yeah. And at a certain point, I thought that was his game. I thought the point was to like give up some of the money or maybe the guaranteed money and turn that into clout so that he in the long run can stay relevant for even longer and make even more money or you know establish a legacy unlike any other because if he had been able to play the season with the Patriots let's say he does that and he has another Antonio Brown year which looked reasonable especially I mean he scored a touchdown in the one game that he got and Tom Brady's throwing him the ball you know that it's going to go well so yeah maybe he would have been a genius in that situation but he got played in uh and at this point, I don't see him coming back, at least not this year. No, I, I don't think so either. I don't think he's going to sign with the team before the NFL finishes his investigations, especially if his whole thing is he's he's upset about losing his guaranteed money, calling out Bob Kraft on Twitter. Uh, yeah, come on, man. Like uh, he, he was tweeting at like a first grade level there too when he was criticizing uh, Bob Kraft. Like that was CTE if I've ever seen it. Well, that, that's why he's going back to school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah he's taking CD. the Billy Madison approach. <laughs> Did you see he posted on Instagram a photoshopped image of him over Billy Madison sitting in a classroom? Like, yeah, ready yeah, to go I back to school. I did not actually. Wow, that's funny. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, on the official AB Instagram. Which is funny, okay? That is funny. And it would be even funnier if he was just going to school in the offseason. He's like, look, I'm, how funny is it that I'm in school even though like I'm 30 and I'm an NFL player, you know? But instead, it's like, look how far I've stooped to like, this is what I'm doing with my time. Yeah, right. Instead of playing at an elite level in the NFL like I used to. Yeah, this is not Juju showing up to USC in his Steelers uniform level of like funny and oh look at Antonio Brown like he's sitting in class of third graders like this is awesome like yeah do you, do you yeah, guys remember you... that do you guys remember that scene in Billy Madison where he's doing that Jeopardy game and all of a sudden the judge goes I that was the most incorrect answer of all time I award you no points and have and God have mercy on your soul I mean that's basically yeah. Brown at this point everyone here is dumber for he having does. heard it <laughs> yeah uh, all right so that's enough about Antonio Brown let's move on and talk about the Cleveland Browns uh, who after their overhyped offseason are now one and two. They struggled against the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday Night Football, and there are a lot more questions and answers when it comes to Freddie Kitchens, Baker Mayfield, and this Cleveland offense. I I, I, I don't know. At times, I liked what I saw from the Browns. I thought, uh, especially early, I was like, oh, maybe this is going to end up being like a really good shootout of some sort. Because uh, when the Browns can put it together, they, they can look lethal. They've got the talent. It's just they're really inconsistent. Like it, To me, it just feels like a young team that hasn't really formed that, uh, that unity yet. So I, I don't know if I'm ready to give up on them, but in the short term, they've got some growing pains ahead of them. But it doesn't help that they're going up against the Rams, who, to me, they just look like a team that's been here before. Like They show up, they go through some you know, troubles at times. They don't look always like that team that's dropping 50 on you, but they, they're unwavering. Sean McVay has a game plan and they go out and execute. And at, even if it's not pretty, they go out there and get the W. 
Like I think the Rams are a little bit more mortal this year than they were maybe last year. But at the same time, against a team like the Browns, they look like the professionals. They look like the ones who know what they're doing, and they're the ones who are coming out of there with a victory. So to so to go on what Ben just said, I I mean I do kind of agree that maybe the Browns just weren't successful just because of their opponent being the Rams and being uh, NFC champions and facing coach Sean McVay, who is probably arguably the best coach in the league outside of Belichick, but their defense is the one that looked good. And the offense is the one that sucked. And Freddie kitchens is, was their offensive coordinator. And he's supposed to be the one who's the offensive genius, or at least helping the offense more than the defense. And the offense has really not looked good. And even though they beat the jets by, by, by 20 points or so they didn't even look that great in that game it's just that the jets are just so bad that they're not going to score any points but the browns i I don't know i i knew that they'd go up get off to a slow start and i don't know if i I think they'll be fine but i don't know how much better it'll get yeah so the rams were clearly the better team uh a better prepared team the team that had better experience of course playing in the super bowl helps with that uh, but their their defense is really good. And their defensive line with Aaron Donald was just able to overwhelm a terrible Browns offensive line. And I just don't think that the Browns' problems are going to get better without addressing that line. Because they don't really have anyone who you can say, oh, they, they just, they're struggling, but they're going to get it together. There's no one that's really a, any kind of consideration to be uh, near the top of the league at their position. Yeah, their offensive line has not looked good. And the the entire Browns team, I think they lead the league in penalties right now, and they just look like a really undisciplined team. And combining their bad O-line play versus Aaron Donald and how good the Rams' D-line is, definitely not a great combination. And um, even though Baker Mayfield, yeah, I would, I'd blame most of their struggles on their line, but Baker Mayfield has not looked good uh, this, to start this year still. Well, he was running scared. Aaron Donald and Dante Fowler are going to be a problem this season, and they definitely were for Baker. Even when, and I think they showed this like on a, you know, during uh, the game, they're like breaking down the Browns' offensive troubles. Like Baker Mayfield was getting scared in the pocket. Even when the Rams weren't getting penetration, which was rare, Baker would a lot of times just escape the pocket just to get out of there because he knew if they weren't already there, they were going to be there soon. And uh, they just made him uncomfortable. He's a young quarterback who still has to learn how to you know, stand tall there, uh, even when you've got Aaron Donald breathing down your neck. And I don't know. It's the I agree that the Browns' offensive line is not good, but going up against this D-line is going to really exaggerate your problems. Also, running a drop play on fourth and nine is really not a good idea either. <laughs> when will these offensive coordinators learn? Uh, yeah, so, so shifting the focus to the Rams, they're 3-0 and this season. Jared Goff hasn't been all that good. Uh, he's really struggled out of the gate. Uh, he hasn't thrown for 300 yards in a game. He's thrown some interceptions. After all the money that he was paid, I think he's still, still a very good quarterback in this league, and it feels like he's going to break out eventually. So the fact that the Rams are finding ways to win without a lot from their offense with Goff struggling and Gurley still you know, being cautious with him, the whole like NBA load management concept. 
I really do think that the Rams, after losing the Super Bowl last season, could have been primed to fall apart early. But they're off to a really good start, and I think there's plenty of reason to believe that they can only get better as the season goes on. I believe in the Rams receivers with Cup, Woods, and Cooks, and I believe in their coaching. But one, I, I'm really not sure how Gurley is going to be through an entire 16-game season and then the playoffs. And then two, the more I think about it, the more I believe that it's really McVay that helps their offense uh, get better instead of Goff. I mean, I feel like Goff is kind of a kind of a puppet. I mean, when we look around the league, there are, there we debate whether if it's the coach or the quarterback that's that's driving the offense. Uh, but with the Rams, I think it's more of the coach. So I don't know if if Goff can improve more or not, or if it's. If he's going to get better or not. That's yeah, it. I mean, I, I don't argue that point. I do think that Sean McVay has helped him so much. If you just look at how bad he looked with Jeff Fisher in his first season. But I do think that because of how good Sean McVay is, he'll be able to find ways to kind of unlock the Jared Goff, who was really good last season in that offense and led them to the Super Bowl. I'm really excited about the uh, Niners at Rams week six to see how legit these two teams are because we were just talking about the weakness of the 49ers early schedule. I mean, the Rams beat a injured Cam Newton Panthers. They beat the saints who lost Drew Brees to a super high five during that game. And then they beat the Browns, which the Browns haven't been what people thought they were going to be. So as much as they are off to a good start and they have been taking care of business, I would argue they still haven't been truly tested by elite competition. Agree. We'll have to wait and see. All right, so let's move on to uh, the Monday night game, and that was the Bears and the Redskins. So Chicago Bears offense had been off to a pretty slow start in a loss to Packers and a win over the Broncos, but Mitchell Trubisky came out. He played competently and threw a few touchdown passes, 25 for 31, over 200 yards passing. And the Bears, you know, against the Redskins, who are not a very good team, they came out and won pretty convincingly. Okay, best thing about this game, I have to, like, it's very obvious, and I think a lot of people would agree with me that this was the best aspect of Monday Night Football, is that we all got to go to bed on time. I got so much rest last night, it was the easiest choice to turn this game off at halftime because the Redskins did not look capable of getting back into that one. It was the, it was even, they had it set up for the upset, um, having it at the favorable position for the Redskins, having it be 28-3. Um, but still, I knew that the Redskins would never be able to come back after the way they it, played it, the first half. It was 28-3, though. I mean, we've seen 28-3 comebacks. That's, what I'm say- that's why, that's why um, honestly, any other team, I would favor the comeback t- uh, going into the half at 28-3, but un- unfortunately, these Redskins just look so lost. Uh, well, they look so lost, but really it was just that the, the Bears defense ended this game immediately. They snuffed out whatever the Redskins want to call their offense, and they totally just took over that game. Yeah, Khalil Mack uh, looked amazing as usual. And you could say that John Gurdon's trade was so bad that he could have got his brother fired yesterday. That's how bad the, <laughs> the, the, the Khalil Mack trading is looking right now. <laughs> Honestly, with what how Washington looked last night, I kind of felt like Jay Gruden didn't even want to be there anymore. I mean, your guy, Haha Clinton Dix, his return to DC, he starts it off with a pick Got, six, and that was just it was over from there. 
Um, you know, Case Keenum threw a couple of touchdown passes late to kind of make his numbers look respectable over 300 yards passing, but the Bears just totally dominated it. And absolutely, Ben, we were able to go to bed not quite at halftime. We had to wait for the, I did the watch halftime Genesis. Yeah, Genesis <laughs> halftime. Had show. to watch Blink 182 play at halftime, of course. <laughs> yeah, even though they they played a song that would not have been the top choice uh, anywhere close to it for me, but yes. Um, I think that the Bears, so going into the season, I was really high on their their Super Bowl hopes because I saw a great defense and a quarterback who was improving and had the possibility to just even being slightly above average could get this team to the Super Bowl. And I'm thinking that this maybe could be shades of a positive because as bad as the Redskins are, they have a lot of good pieces on their defense that I don't think we can just say, oh, it was against Washington. It doesn't matter. Because Mitchell Rubisky looked pretty good last night. He also didn't throw a single touchdown pass until yesterday against the Redskins. Again, no, but he teams. threw three of them. But did th- yeah, like and I said, yeah. the Redskins aren't terrible on defense. Yeah, I mean, picking the Redskins to win yesterday was definitely a donkey pick, but... Uh, I thought the game would be much, definitely would be much closer than it was yesterday. It was over. It was over by not even just halftime. It was over by the first drive of the game after the pick six. I don't think Mitch Trubisky has to be that good of a quarterback for this offense to run. I think he's been an extraordinarily bad quarterback to this point, and he's regressing to the mean. I don't. Again, it. it this You're is saying a, that he needs to be if he can just be at least average. That sure, a good chance. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's with how good to their defenses. Yeah, I mean, there's just been some egregious missed throws so far to the point where people are like, Matt Nagy is overthinking this offense. you got to let Matt Nagy do his thing. But Mitch Trubisky just needs to be able to, you know, work within that system. And he, he's done it before. That's the thing. We can trash Mitch Trubisky all, he, all we want, but we've seen that him and he can pair well with Matt Nagy. So I just think they, again, just need to get back into the groove of things. And Mitch needs to stop throwing it 10 feet above Allen Robinson, which he showed last night he's capable of. They do have good pieces around on their offense. I mean, Allen Robinson. Yes, they was, do. They have so was, many. Was great. He was great in Jacksonville, and then until he tore his ACL. And Trey Burton, he hasn't really done anything ever since he he's been injured. Signed with Chicago, but yeah, he's he's been banged up. And maybe if he can get healthier, and could have a he could have a better year than he did last year. And uh, they drafted David Montgomery, and uh, that's I'd like to think that's an improvement over Jordan Howard. Uh, I'm, I can't say that with full confidence yet but it's just a guess uh and and taylor gabriel he looked he looked terrific yesterday scoring three touchdowns uh, in the first half yeah montgomery is much more involved yesterday than we had seen from him all season i think that he'll be a big key to the bears running game going forward throughout the season eddie panero's looked pretty good as their kicker as well uh, yeah, unfortunately, course, fifty-three yard field goal against Denver. Hey, you know what? Uh, we we win some, we lose some. Ellie uh, <laughs> is bear, hurt right now. The Bears now. having a he, kicker. He huh? is hurt. He uh, uh, he is. Pinero, You're right. He Pinero. is hurt. He, he is hurt right now. So they could sign another. Yeah. So that just could be, case. and that could uh, that could bring them down. But if Panero can be healthy for most of the season, it does look like Chicago can at least check one of those worries off their their lists in terms of not having a kicker uh some of them there it's just a matter of if mitch trubisky can look like the quarterback who played against the redskins versus a quarterback who played the first two weeks so i, uh, I just this... think that whenever they play bad teams he's gonna be awesome but whenever they have they're sort of tested he's gonna look completely lost that's that's just my thing 
yeah, so I guess uh, talking about the other team's quarterback situation. So we had talked about the NFC East quarterbacks, uh, who should be concerned, who should not be concerned in our first uh, preseason preview episode. I was of the opinion that the Redskins shouldn't be all that concerned with their quarterback situation because they didn't necessarily need to rush Dwayne Haskins in. They didn't have a whole lot of reason to believe in themselves as being good. And we saw Case Keenum have a really good season in Minnesota. So there was reason to believe that maybe he can be competent and keep Washington in contention. But now that the Redskins are 0-3... Is it time for them to turn the ball over to Dwayne Haskins and give him the reins of this offense? Not if you want him to be your quarterback next year. You're letting your quarterbacks get annihilated back there. Let Case Keenum be a human punching bag. Bring Case Keenum in for like a little experiment at the end. But I, I don't know how advantageous it would be to put him in this early. I And I, I think the biggest... The, the only way to make this situation worse would be to hurt Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> so I say, I say, let Case keep going out there, lose your job, and then let the Redskins keep Dwayne Haskins. Uh, I'm talking about uh, Jay Gruden can lose his job, and then Dwayne Haskins can be hope for the next uh, era. I wasn't going to go that far, but I'm, I'm just glad that they didn't put him in yesterday. That would have been just awful, putting him in versus the number one team. One, <laughs> one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, maybe maybe start them when they face a really easy team, whoever that is on their schedule. But for now, I I I also agree with Ben. Just keep Keeman, keep keep Case Keeman in there until um, there's an easy matchup, or maybe just never and just sit him out the entire year until and wait till next year. Yeah, so I I also don't think it would be beneficial to rush Haskins in uh, with this offensive line. Uh, you know, maybe if they can convince Trent Williams to show up and play, it'd be a different story. But the Giants said that they were going to hold off on Daniel Jones and leaving Eli Manning at least until they were in playoff contention. The Giants made the move to Jones in week three earlier than expected, and it paid off for them this week. So maybe there could be a lot of benefit in giving Haskins the opportunity and uh, hoping that he's able to avoid any kind of you know crazy injury from being sacked all the time. Uh, and who do the Redskins play this next week? It is the New York Giants. So wouldn't that be interesting to have Haskins make his NFL debut in the stadium against a team that he feels super slighted by? Uh, give him a chance to prove right away that hey, the you know the Giants did make a mistake in taking Jones over him. Which uh, just given on Jones one start his debut. I don't know if it'll be easy for Haskins to be able to do that if given that opportunity. Well, just a couple of things. Like, I think the Giants knew knew what they had at the annual Jones. I think they put him out there with confidence. I don't see the Redskins having that same level of confidence uh, in in Dwayne Haskins to this point. So, I maybe the Giants front office is a little less surprised than the rest of us that Daniel Jones had such a good game, and that's why they're willing to put him in so quickly. But also, do you really want to copy the Giants when it comes to personnel decisions? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Giants are doing it, you know. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a fair point. All right, so uh, let's let's wrap up our uh, week three reactions by going over our locks and upsets of the week. So we have been doing uh, game picks every week of the season to this point. We'll continue to do that through the rest of the regular season. We pick one Sunday afternoon game, 
typically the America's game of the week, but with the Steelers playing the 49ers at 425 and having two fans of the team, we chose to go with that one. We also do Sunday Night Football and Monday Night Football. Uh, if you look at the overall standings, so this past week, Ben went 4-1, and one, Brian went 3-2, and two, I went 2-3, and three, that puts Ben overall 13-2, and two, Brian and I 10-5, and five. and Ben has been nailing his locks and upsets for the most part, but this week, our locks, you two picked the Cardinals, I picked the Seahawks, and we were both proven totally wrong in terms of the backup quarterbacks that we, or the teams that we chose in the locks faced. Yeah, Kyle Allen actually was really surprisingly good. Him and Daniel Jones were probably arguably uh, two of the most surprising uh, players this past weekend. Uh, I think the, I don't know if this is really a hot take, but I think Kyle Allen could be a better option than uh, a non hundred percent Cam Newton at this point. I, I think, I think Cam Newton is, I think he's gassed or cooked at this point. He does not look good. I, I, I think there's still something wrong with whether it's his shoulder or, he has other injuries I, I don't think he's right right now and I think the Panthers will be just fine with Kyle Allen and um and yeah like you said with this the Seahawks Saints game I was surprised by that game as well with uh how Teddy Bridgewater looked versus the Rams I mean yes the Rams have a great defense but you go from one of the quietest home stadiums to the loudest home stadium in Seattle and and he ends up uh doing pretty well versus that Seattle defense. So both pretty surprising. Yeah, I when I picked this one, I was like, oh, good, back of quarterback. They got this. <laughs> or sorry, pick this lock. That was my exact yeah, like, same thought process too. And just the fact that the Cardinals play at such a fast pace and combining that with Carolina's sort of veteran defense, uh, I thought would just be a really bad combination for the Panthers, but apparently not. Yeah, the the Cardinals are, are trash. I just thought the Panthers were going to be even – worse trash but i was wrong (laughs) (laughs) yeah so kyle allen looked really good and i if cam newton has a serious injury they say a liz frank injury could require surgery like keeping out for a while i don't think you know after the start carolina isn't any rush to bring back newton considering that they ruled him out on the monday after the game so i don't know what to make of kyle allen long term but uh, he certainly surprised you guys. You surprised me. I didn't make the Cardinals my lock, but I certainly thought they would win this game. Uh, as for picking Seattle as my lock, I just thought that Teddy Bridgewater uh, performance against the Rams was enough to believe that Russell Wilson would have no problem playing better than him. And while Wilson was able to put up some garbage time stats and make this game look a little closer than it was, the Saints defense looked really good. And Alvin Kamara didn't miss a beat having Bridgewater instead of Breeze as his quarterback. So I think uh, anyone who thought that the Saints would take a serious drop-off is uh, feeling a little silly right now. And we'll see what they can do this coming week when they face the 3-0 Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. Uh, So that will be a game that we'll be picking. We obviously don't need to make that now with a few days to go. But uh, I think if the Saints can do better than just tread water... Until Breeze comes back, they'll be right back in it at the end of the season and uh, have great playoff hopes, uh, regardless of what their seed is. Yeah, I still think that their playoff chances are, they're still alive. They're much, I'll admit, they're much better now. Somebody has to go to the playoffs from the NFC South. Everybody there's looking like garbage. (laughs) Yeah, 
Tampa going one and two and losing at the last second versus the Giants. Atlanta losing to the Colts. Yeah. So and then, yeah, they, I argue they definitely have a chance just on talent alone. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess uh, you know, sticking with the NFC South, let's move on to our upsets. So I was the only one who didn't get my upset right either. I picked the Falcons, and I don't know what it is with Matt Ryan, but he just always finds the worst times to throw interceptions. Uh, they lost to the Colts twenty-seven twenty-four. And you guys nailed your upset picks, uh, two road teams. Now, the Texans over the Chargers, Ben, I don't think was that crazy of an upset. So I'll let you talk about that one first before we give Brian his time to shine for nailing the biggest upset of the week. Well, honestly, I just thought I've got – well, honestly, I've just got a lot of uh, belief in Deshaun Watson, and he definitely came through for me in this game. He was playing amazing. Um, and – even though Keenan Allen had a monster game, like no disrespect to the Chargers, but uh, Deshaun Watson's when he's fully healthy, he's special, and uh, he proved it this week. Yeah, I think the Texans are the best team in the AFC South. Uh, I think that they are in the driver's seat to win this division. They have the most talent. They have the best quarterback, and uh, going out and winning against the Chargers is a, a good stepping stone for them after really blowing it against New Orleans on Monday Night Football and struggling against the Jaguars last week. So I do think that was a really important win for them. Uh, as for Brian's upside pick... Well, hold on, hold on. Before we, before we move the, on, oh, uh, I, I, did pull, yeah. I did pull the stats for this just because I wanted to emphasize something about why Deshaun Watson is so important to this team. Like Deshaun Watson had 351 yards passing, three touchdowns. He was the second leading rusher on his team with 18 yards to Carlos Hyde's 19 yards. I know Carlos Hyde had a touchdown, but it wasn't a long one, that's for sure. And the receiving-wise, everybody got into the action. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins led the receptions with six, but only for 67 yards. Kenny Stills had a four for 89. Uh, like Will Fuller had five for 51. Deshaun Watson is this team. As long as guys are willing to you know stick their hands out and let the ball land there he'll he'll take them far and this is how exactly how i felt after we won versus new orleans that deshaun watson i feel like has to do everything and and also having to deal with a bad pretty bad old line outside of tonson oh it's terrible no it, it's 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 ridiculously bad it, it, in my opinion it's the out of there are a lot of battle lines right now the Texans I honestly believe have the worst it's insanity the things that Deshaun Watson is doing uh, and that's honestly why I love and, watching and I, him and it's great that he's doing all all this with how much talent he has but I also don't like it cuz what if the same thing happens uh to him like how it happened to Andrew Luck where yeah. he re- he retires in his late that's 20s that's way they're running that organization of all right the hits now he takes. Yep. yeah yeah, I mean, the, Watson has been doing incredible things. The Texans certainly need to improve that offensive line in the coming years. We can expect them to use their uh, first and second round draft picks again on offensive linemen. Uh, uh, except they traded them all for Laramie Tunzel. So they need him to turn out <laughs> to be the guy that they think he is. Well, they need more than just him. So, too. yeah, you're right. They need help. They, they have... Uh, other guys that they're expecting a lot more out of so in terms of the texans ben do you have any predictions in terms of their long-term prospects they live and buy that live and die by deshaun watson that's all that's all i'll say all right uh so let, let's talk about brian's upset you went with the lions over the eagles now there was a six point 
line. So you could have won this just by the Lions keeping it within a touchdown. But you believe they would actually win it outright? Yes, I did. I, And that was mostly because of how the Eagles looked after week two. Uh, they lost some key guys on their defensive line, but they also got lit up by Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, who are very good, but Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones are also very good. And the, the Eagles secondary is really, really not that good with, um, with, with who they have in their secondary. And, uh, and offensively, they lose Alshon Jeffrey, they lose Deshaun Jackson, and Wentz basically has only Nelson Aguilar and Zach Ertz to throw to, and outside of that, he doesn't have he has Arcega Whiteside and Mac Hollins, but it's really not that reliable after those first two guys. And uh, I I think the Lions, yeah, I really believe that they are going to come in on the road and, and win that game with the Eagles having a mash unit for their injury report. You know, I didn't think that the Lions would actually pull off this upset, and I thought that was a surprising pick at first. But thinking about it more, you did make a lot of good points in the sense that the the Eagles were missing a lot of guys with injuries, and their secondary has been really bad this season. So um, Detroit it was yeah, able Darby's to Yeah, lit up. Yeah, th- th- their, their secondary is just – even though their defense is pretty good, it's, just, it's their secondary that's really, really not that good. And – and Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, they're not on Julio and Calvin Ridley's uh, level, but they're still very talented and are are going to have to beat the Eagles' defense, which was proven this yeah, past Sunday. They did it. Uh, so now the Lions are 2-0-1. Do you consider them playoff contenders? Are the, That's a question for everyone. Are the Lions playoff contenders, the undefeated Detroit Lions? <laughs> I'm still going to say no just because I believe in the other th- – three teams in that division more even though even though I don't believe in Trubisky and even though Kirk Cousins has looked god awful to start the year and I'm still not the biggest Packers believer uh, even though they're 3-0 and as well but I do believe in all three of those teams more than Detroit so I'm gonna say no yeah I don't think they're gonna stay undefeated for very long uh <laughs> they're they got the Chiefs coming up then the Packers Vikings I can see them losing all those games I don't think so. I'm I'm gonna go with the same logic as Brian here and say that they can't go to the playoffs if they lose all their division games. So um, I'm gonna go with no, not a playoff team. When was the, when was the last time Detroit even won a playoff game? I mean, they made the playoffs a couple 1991, times. 1991, I think. Yeah, that, no, of course a- you know, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I honestly didn't know. I was just hoping Corey would know. But. Yeah, it's it's been a long time. Uh, yeah. But yeah, just take one look at their schedule. Kansas City, Minnesota, Green Bay. If they can win two out of those three games, then yeah, we can start talking about the Lions as a playoff team. But they tied with the Cardinals, an embarrassing tie that they should have won that game. And then the Chargers traveling west to east, 1 o'clock. I'm also not as big on the Chargers this season as they were last year, so I don't take too much stock into that victory. And then the Eagles, like you said, they were banged up. They, The Lions were in a position to strike. So we'll see what happens with them going forward, but they're in too tough a division. Uh, I do think that Chicago and Green Bay, at the very least, if not Minnesota as well, are ahead of them overall. So that will wrap up our NFL Week 3 reactions. We'll be making our Week 4 picks, which you can look forward to on our Twitter account at He's Done It Pod on Friday. 
So before we wrap up today's episode, let's get into our top five. So on September 27th, Google will be celebrating their 19th birthday. I don't know why it's September 27th, because they were founded on September 4th, but since 2006, they've been choosing this day, uh, even though it's not the only day that they celebrated. So we are kind of banking on them still doing that. But uh, because of, you know, in honor of their birthday, uh, we'll be doing our most interesting Google searches of the past week in today's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. So for my list at number five, my Google search was Jokers, uh, which actually implies two things. It was implied for Impractical Jokers, and I typically um, sometimes like to just watch re- uh, clips of Impractical Jokers and uh, any past episodes that I missed out on, and even ones that I've already seen plenty of times, but just would like a good laugh. Uh, but it also implied uh, the new Joker Joker movie coming out uh, Friday, October 4th. And I'm definitely looking forward to that. Even though Heath Ledger is no longer the actual Joker for obvious reasons, not being alive anymore. Uh, I, I'm still very interested in this movie with Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. So I have that as my number five. My number four, I went with Bryant Gumbel's TV show. And the reason why I Googled that was because there was one day I was on the computer and I had the TV on in the background and I saw two people being interviewed, uh, one being Justin Tucker, the kicker for the Baltimore Ravens, and he was being interviewed in an in-depth conversation about why he's been so successful and and how he's been able to get to the top of his game at his position. But not only that, but they also talked, Justin Tucker also talked about how off the field, he's an opera singer, apparently, and he's big into that. And um, he could give up his NFL career to do that, but it's very, it wouldn't be a wise decision to give up being a kicker in the NFL, especially with how good he is. And the other person that they interviewed in that episode was um, Ryan Lochte, who is obviously the, the the disgraced uh, U.S. Olymp- Olympic swimmer who had that bad situation in Rio, and uh, I found uh, his—I found that show to be very interesting. It was called Real Sports with Brian uh, Gumble, and so I had to Google what the TV show was. So I went with that as my number four. My number three, I went with uh, Antonio Brown farted as my Google search for number three. And as we all know, Antonio Brown has been in the news for a lot of reasons lately, and and a lot of not good, not so good ones, uh, with how with Antonio Brown's um, actions, and and just being a pretty bad dude. But I did find one story to be pretty amusing. That one time, uh, there was he went to the doctor to get his body fat checked out, and. When he went to the doctor, apparently he farted a couple times, and the video is, the video is online, uh, from a, just a quick Google search if you, if anyone wants to check it out. Uh, so I went with Antonio Brown. <laughs> Wait, farting people are looking up videos three. of Antonio Brown farting. Like it's not even. No, so I, so I. I... <laughs> Wait, Antonio Brown so farting? Antonio now Brown... this I gotta see. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, just... he was doing a routine <laughs> medical procedure. Now that's funny. <laughs> Just I never fart, dude. Face. How embarrassing for Antonio yeah. Brown. I've literally just never farted. Just hearing that farted. story of... <laughs> just 
just hearing that story of Antonio Brown farting, like, wow. That's so <laughs> I, I funny. Need to, I need to Google search this and check it out. <laughs> yeah, so that's my Google search at number three, Antonio Brown farting. And my number two for Google search, I went with the Allstate Mayhem guy. And the reason why I Googled that was because, so Corey and I are in a fantasy league with a bunch of people from our high school. And in that league, I don't have an official team name. I change it every week uh, and I do it matching the team I face. And so for Corey's team, his is McKenna Mayhem and his picture is the Mayhem guy. And to be brutally honest, even though I've seen him several times on TV, I did not know uh, what his name was or what else he did. And so the Allstate Mayhem guy, his name is Dean Winters. And I looked at what he did for a living. And uh, of course, he's an actor and he's been in uh, several, several TV shows. And one thing I also found out was uh, he's had, he survived 17 surgeries. He's had nine amputations and he's, he even said one time he was dead for a few minutes and then came back to life. And just reading, reading all that about his personal life uh, was a very interesting to say the least. Wow. Uh, so I don't know what my uh, fantasy team icon would be if he didn't survive. So I'm <laughs> pretty happy to hear he's still alive. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so I, so I, my second Google search, or most interesting Google search, is Allstate Mayhem Guy. And for my number one, I went with Powerball winning numbers. Now, uh, of course, I've I've talked about in the past about what I would do if I won the lottery that I would share with family and friends, and then that's it. No, I, the rest of it goes to me, and I would spend it stupidly in Vegas and be dead in a year. But <laughs> the reason why I googled Powerball winning numbers was, of course, because I had a ticket, but I did not buy this ticket. Uh, so. Few days ago, I was at a restaurant, uh, local restaurant. Uh, Corey, you probably heard of it, Mister Max, the mac and cheese place. Yeah, yeah. So I went there to just get some lunch, and when I was in line, I saw several Powerball tickets on the ground, and no one near me. <laughs> like it was just me and about to get my, <laughs> about to get my meal in line, and then all of a sudden, I see this, these tickets on the ground, and there's no one near me, and I'm like. Oh my god, this drawing is tonight. Like what if what if this what if these what if one of these numbers wins? And it's just a ticket that I found on the ground. Like that guy whoever bought the ticket is gonna be so mad. Uh so it, it would have been a really bad predic- predicament if I mean it would have been great, yeah, I would have won, but I also would have felt all the guilt and apparently I've never seen the show My Name is Earl, but apparently that show starts off with him winning a hundred thousand dollars from a scratch ticket or lottery ticket that he found and then he gets hit by a car and so i, I don't know so there are a lot of it definitely things that, that are did going, definitely sound like yeah. the setup to like a like a, a sitcom or even a drama yeah so like, i could have started an own sitcom if i won i would have been my name is well that's the, yeah, yeah you find it and then you win but then like it turns out some like and then bad things so, happen well, some yeah. lower level it comes back lo- to some fight. lower level member of the mob was actually delivering those lottery tickets like it was a scam like they had fixed the lottery and he dropped him on his way to like lunch with the mob boss and then now you're wrapped in with the mob and like you have all their money and they're coming after you i'd watch that yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i was in a predicament but luckily i googled 
the numbers and it was not even close to winning as expected but so that's why i have uh powerball winning numbers as my number nice. one uh interesting google search well i guess that means i'm going next and i'll start mine <laughs> The thing is, the last week of Googling was not that interesting for me. I did adhere to the rules here and only did the ones from the last week. So here it goes. Number five, Columbia SC channels. Yep, that's right. I still watch TV with like the digital signal. That's free. All you have to do is buy the antenna, which is like 10 bucks. And uh, when I watch football, I always forget what channel these things are on. Uh, and channel 10 is actually NBC. I was watching Sunday Night Football. I made it home in time to see that game. And I had to look up the channel. So there you have it. Um, oh, yes, that's number five. So get ready. It only gets better from here. Uh, <laughs> Can't number wait. Number four it was UA4964. Once more, that's UA4964. And some of you savvy listeners who know that I'm a 49ers fan might think this is some sort of 49ers thing uh, since this is a 4-9 in the middle. But you'd be incorrect. This is actually one of my flight numbers, and I was checking the status of my flight. These airlines will always tell you, download their app. And while that, that's definitely functional, if you're uh, a savvy phone user like me who doesn't want all these unnecessary apps, you can just go on the Chrome app and Google UA or whatever your flight number is. This was mine. And it'll show you the status of your flight with like real time updates it's really convenient when you land and it turns out that your plane that you have to get to in 15 minutes is on the other side of the airport it'll tell you what gate you need to go to and uh it's quite convenient so number four was me navigating the airport number three feral hogs and uh, some of you may be knowledgeable on the feral hogs meme that was hot a couple weeks ago 30 to 50 feral hogs to be specific this anecdote about a, right, an anecdote about that meme brought up this google search but the larger problem isn't the 30 to 50 feral hogs that are going to attack your children once your guns get taken away it's that feral hogs are showing up literally everywhere it's like do a fun experiment for me right now on your phone google i'm talking to you to the listeners uh google feral hogs there will be at a news article that is less than a week old about a giant feral hog showing up somewhere where they don't belong wrecking the uh the landscaping or or the environment the ecosystem going on there and causing major problems maybe they'll flex on whoever local citizen kills giant feral hog but for every one we kill there's five more to take their place it's a real problem that's happening all over the world even here in the united states and it's it's <laughs> i can't wait until this is the crisis that we're focused on because it's going to reach that level at some point wild 411 pound feral hog wrangled on texas golf course yep and and everyone's wow. gonna say i know what everyone's thinking right now everything's bigger in texas which is true but these feral hogs are showing up elsewhere as well they're all over the place and they're they're going to be a real problem before long because they already are a problem so feral hogs just do that did so, you see a so feral not, hog in New York City? Was that what sparked I, this? Uh, no, actually, I Googled this back uh, when I was still here before I left. But but okay. if the, that's the thing. The feral hogs are learning. Who knows how many people I walked past on the streets of New York that were just feral hogs wearing clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, man. They're learning. And soon there will be more of them than there are of us. And then, well, 
it'll be too late. You'll be listening to the uh, you know Porky's Done It podcast with uh, with them recording on our equipment. So I I don't want to go on too long about feral hogs. So you, wait, so you're not worried about the economy or climate change? One thing at a time. You're worried. You're worried about feral why, hogs. Taking why? Why wait? <laughs> why wait until we can't stop it? Is what I'm saying. It's already reaching epidemic uh, epidemic levels with these feral hogs showing up everywhere. Listen, we could do a whole podcast about the feral hogs. I'm going <laughs> to leave it at that. I'm going to allow you to do your own research because uh, it may sound like I'm fear-mongering, but I would argue that I'm the only one who's telling the truth. Okay, number two. This is a fun one. South Carolina state population. Now, this is a really educational one. Uh, South Carolina as a state has just over 5 million people. This this Google actually pairs with another Google I did, which was for the population of New York City. Um, so, like I said, five thousand or sorry, five million residents in South Carolina, over eight million in just New York City. So there are more people in New York City than there are in the entire state of South Carolina. So to me, that was mind blowing, and it made me kind of appreciate what they've got going on in New York City with all those people just packed together. There's absolutely no elbow room in New York, and it's because of all the people. All right, and leading up to the number one on my Google search list, one word, Pompeo. Pompeo. Um, And if you keep up with politics at all, you'll know that Pompeo is the last name of our Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, who made an appearance at West Point this weekend uh, while I was there for my mother's uh, reunion. So it was... Kind of cool, I guess. I mean, I'm not like a Pompeo fan or anything, but there was definitely up security, and uh, it was just kind of cool that the cadets there got to see this high-ranking member of the government show up for their parade. So um, Mike Pompeo, a guy that I was like 50 yards away from this weekend, uh, so I had to Google him. You know, you were kind of uh, saying that your list wasn't all that interesting, but I found it super interesting. I had no idea what half of those were going to be. I'm still Googling the feral hog thing. <laughs> I, have a video. I, I have a video I'm going to send you after we finish recording, Brian, and it's going to blow your freaking mind, okay? Oh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll wrap things up with my top five Google searches of the last seven days. And my number five is the Action Network spreads. And I haven't been using the Action Network to determine the spreads for the locks and upsets of our game picks, but Brian forced me to do this when he tried to take Dallas minus 15 and a yeah, half I was over on, Miami. So b- before you go into your point, I was honestly going to bring up, before you uh, texted me about that, I was honestly going to say, hey, do we have to do these Thursday or can we do these like Monday, like when we got them or... Does that have to be literally the day before we tweet these out? And now I, I know. know when, now I know. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and seriously, I was honestly fine with that, knowing that it's supposed to be Thursday and no earlier. That's great to know now. I'm glad. I was just saying, like, oh, Dallas 15 and a half. I'm on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I pretending that, like, oh, I made that. the pick like, on Monday. I see it open. Uh, yeah, that's the one yeah. I like. <laughs> okay. Because, I mean, I saw it open. Like, it's the, all good. The first one it, I saw was minus 21. So I don't know how anyone thought 15 it open, and a half yeah, was Yeah, it opened 15 and a half. And then I, and then I was literally going to text you, hey, Dallas is now six points higher than it was open. Yeah. Do we, does that have to be 21 and a half now? 
I think they got up to 22 and a half, and they only won by 25. 22 and a half. They barely, yeah, yeah they barely covered. So. It was it was a close game in the first half. Miami, it would have been a better unfor- lock than Arizona. Yeah, unfortunately, Miami just had to turn it over at the goal line multiple times. Yeah. All right. So uh, my number four is ABC DirecTV. So as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I was in the Poconos this weekend, and I was in Pennsylvania. And a lot of my family up there either go to Pitt, went to Pitt, or are just Pitt fans, just living in the Pittsburgh area. And Pitt played UCF on ABC. And when we were trying to find the game, the ABC channel, it said unavailable. So I'm wondering, wait, does DirecTV lose ABC somehow? Why do we not have ABC here? Uh, And I wasn't able to find anything to suggest that. So eventually I was like, okay, we're looking in the 390s. Like what is, I don't know what this is, but let's look to see if we can find a lower level ABC. And sure enough, channel 16 was ABC. I don't know what the 390 was. It was like ABC EHD. I have no idea what the E stands for, but we were able to watch the Pitt UCF game. We were able to watch the uh, the Pitt uh, special on their game-winning touchdown in the final minute. So crisis averted there. And number three, olive green color. So I, I drove to uh, a cousin's in Baltimore on Thursday night, and then on Friday, uh, we, we rode to the rest of the, the Poconos together. It was a good way to break up a long drive from North Carolina. And she drove, uh, so I'm sitting in the passenger seat, and she asked me to get her her green bag in the back seat. So I turn around, and I see all the way in the very back seat, there's this like turquoise bag. So I'm like, oh, I guess this is it. So I go to grab it. And she's like, no, this isn't green. It's turquoise. I was like, yeah, I mean, that's what I figured. But she's like, no, there's a bag right behind my, my seat. So I see on the floor this bag that in my head is like, this is not green at all. This is like brown. This is maybe tan. There's no way this is green. And uh, I was just like looking at it. I'm like making fun of her. Like, this is not a green bag. What are you talking about? And I, I was like, maybe it's olive green. So I looked up olive green just to see. And even then it didn't look the same. So I was convinced this is brown. I'm like sending pics to people. Like, what color is this bag? Everyone's <laughs> saying it's brown. And then we get to the house, you know, it's like, whatever. I forget about the bag. But then about an hour later, I'm in my room and so my room was like a like a porch area, so it wasn't really a room. I slept on a couch, uh, whatever reason, I wasn't given a bed. But I see her purse there, and I pick it up, and I'm like, no way. And it was actually green. I don't know what kind of lighting I was seeing that it was brown. Like, it almost felt like the white and gold versus blue and black <laughs> dress. It's like, what am I looking at right now? So I was proven wrong. Uh, it was a green color. It wasn't even olive green. It was a, a no, not pure green, but it was clearly green and not brown. So, yeah, that that was my. What we learned? My don't ask Corey to get your bag. Here. Ask somebody else. No, apparently, <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I will make a big deal over nothing. So, all right, number two, distance to San Juan. So, why would I have any interest in knowing how far away San Juan was? Well, my family likes to play a lot of uh, competitions whenever we get together for this big reunion. And uh, one of my dad's cousins decided we were going to do a trivia game where basically everyone filled out a questionnaire. Uh, they're probably like 25 questions. And from there, we played a game later. But one of the questions was, what is the furthest you've traveled from home? And to this point in my life, I haven't left North America. I've been to Canada. I've been to Mexico. I've been to the Caribbean. Uh, and I was 
assuming, well, maybe the Caribbean is the furthest I've been. And I had no idea where in the Caribbean would be the furthest, but I go on Google Maps and I see, okay, Puerto Rico is actually further than any of the other islands I've been to. And I know that I went to San Juan when I went on a cruise. So I plug in Google Maps, Nashua, uh, to San Juan. And it says, sorry, we couldn't find a way to get there because they couldn't find a way to drive from New Hampshire to San Juan, Puerto Rico, which makes sense. Uh, But then it wouldn't even give me options in terms of walking. Like, what if I wanted to know how far it would take for me to swim to Puerto Rico, if that's something that's doable? Google Maps wouldn't even entertain that idea. So I had to actually Google search the distance to San Juan to figure out if San Juan is actually the furthest I've been. Turns out it's not. Turns out Las Vegas is even further than this Caribbean island. So Vegas was my answer, but that was the reason why I had to look up distance to San Juan. And my number one is... Google search history. Uh, And that's because I came up with this idea thinking it would be easy to figure out our history, uh, but I I didn't know how to actually look up all of our history from the last week. So I had to Google how to find my Google search history, which takes you to this uh, myactivities.google.com. You can filter from there. That's how you can see. That's how I found out my last seven days. I assume that's what you guys had to do as well, but maybe I'm just incompetent when it comes to Google search history. Well, I don't know. Like, I I don't know what I did with my mobile version. That's where I do most of my Googling, but it wasn't on that website. I can only see things that I Googled from my laptop, which was like, you know, Texans Saints highlights like it wasn't mine was mine wasn't was the anything same interesting <laughs> interesting so I just went I just went on my phone and hit like you know history but do you use a Google app do everything or just like yeah yeah I do too and I couldn't find it, it was like I could only see the history? most recent yeah bruh I don't know Wait, what do you mean most recent like the last like four searches that it would show oh well mine showed the last week well more than that yeah. I, I accidentally went too far and, and lost some interesting ones um, Maybe I accidentally rules. missed out on some good ones. Huh. Yeah, All right. I think uh, uh, I see manage button. history and it says go to myactivity.google.com. <laughs> All right. Dude, hit the three dots and then hit history. What? We might want to cut this. Part. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> you got the. Wait, wait. Do you, you just have the Google app or do you have the Chrome app? Google app, not the Chrome app. Just Google. Oh, well, there's your problem. Okay, there's my problem. All right. Well, hey, the more you know, we'll hey, learn. <laughs> welcome back to the Tech, the He's Got Apps podcast, <laughs> <laughs> where we teach you which apps to have, which ones not to have. This week, don't have the Google app. Instead, have the Chrome app. Uh, what does the Google app even do? Can you just Google search? Yeah, just let's like, see. I mean, you shows you the results of the search, stuff, but yeah. that's it. Yeah. Images and stuff. <laughs> that's, that's all I need. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Yeah, so that's going to wrap things up for today's episode. Um, We did all NFL this week. We have the baseball playoffs coming up next week. Brian, are we going to do a little preview episode of the MLB postseason? If you want. Yeah, sure. I mean, why not? We don't talk about baseball very much. Uh, Probably for good reason, the way the Red Sox have looked this year. Yeah, the Red Sox have been in, you know, not very good, and the Pirates are a joke. Uh, they're they're more embarrassing than the Steelers this year. So, yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit about it. We'll maybe talk some NFL. Maybe Ben will be joining us. He can tell us all about the Albuquerque Isotopes 2019 season. We can catch up on how their uh, their fun burger, or, you know, was it con candy burger? Oh boy! <laughs> also, the Niners on a bye week, burger. so maybe it's, maybe maybe I should take a uh, bye week as well. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. Well, uh, until next time, for Benjamin Carlson and Brian Wells, I'm Corey Navani. Thanks, everyone. Go Niners! Go Niners!